Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Olivia Snedden. Uh, this week we're reviewing Shadow Bond by Steve Erickson. Um, Rob, is this the first um, Steve Erickson you've read? Yeah, it is. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit of shame by that because it's uh, he's in, held in high regard by our friends. Yeah, that's that's kind of the weird thing, right? So so we have the podcast has uh, some close friends who uh, who swear by Steve Erickson. So I guess this will be the this will be the test, right, to see if Steve Erickson. Um, is as adored by us as he is by some of, by some of our uh, by some of our esteemed colleagues and friends. So here's a little bit about the author. Steve Erickson is the author of ten novels, including 2017's Shadow Bond, and two nonfiction works. His books have appeared on the best of the year lists in Newsweek, The Washington Post, Book World, The Los Angeles Times, The Village Voice, and the New York Times Book Review. He was the founding editor of the literary journal Black Clock. There's an L in there, and presently teaches writing at University of California, Riverside. He also writes about film, television, and music for Los Angeles Magazine. He has received the American Academy of Arts and Letters Award in Literature, a Guggenheim Fellowship, and the Lanon Lifetime Achievement Award. So that journal, were you worried it was called Back Clock and you were going to say it wrong? Was that? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Back Clock, yeah. Yeah, you just never know what people write for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, I just wanted to clarify that because you you took the time to say that there's an L in that word. So I want to make sure I knew what you were talking about. So here is the synopsis of the book that we're going to be talking about tonight. And I'm going to say right up front, the synopsis should kind of give you an idea of what what our review is going to sound like. So a chronicle of a weird road trip, a provocative work of alternative alternative history and a dazzling discography of the 20th and 21st centuries, encompassing artists from Louis Armstrong and Billie Holiday to Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen. Shadowbond is a richly elusive, elusive, A-L-L-U-S-I-V-E, meditation on the meaning of American identity and of America itself. Did you think that said Bach and that's why you spelled it all out? (laughs) It did, yeah, that's exactly what, yes. Uh Make sure that's... Dude, we it's checks and balances, man. We gotta make sure that that we that we are are being clear with what we say. So I, I, the reason I said that is because the synopsis really gives you almost nothing of story. It tells you impressions of the book, but it doesn't really tell you what happens, right? Indeed. As a matter of fact, I, I do want to say that years ago I did come to the conclusion and I did not read the synopsis, but whenever the word provocative was used um, in reference to a movie or a TV show that really translated to bad. So now mm. when I see that, I am dead set on if I see something that's provocative in my mind, it my mind autocorrects provocative to bad. Oh, so, well, I'm going to challenge that because I have the feeling that this book provoked some some thoughts and uh, feelings from you. That that it did, sir. It did provoke some things. Let's get uh, <laughs> Let's get right into it. <clears throat> I, I, you know, <laughs> Livia's saying "I, I, you know" is like the best introduction to the fact that he's trying to be very nice about something. <clears throat> the book starts off with a truck driver named Aaron who is um, trucking along through the Dakota Badlands, which I don't know what that is. I'm just going to assume that it's an area of the Dakotas that has nothing, right? It's just 
wasteland. There was no buildings, no anything for miles and miles. Does that sound accurate to you? Yeah, it's famously mountainous, deserty kind of region. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sure. And uh, he rounds a bend, and he's kind of reflecting on on an argument um, that he had with his wife. But he he rounds a bend, and uh, lo and behold, he sees the twin towers, uh, the ones from. 2001 and i'm gonna go ahead and assume and although it's never mentioned right it's 2016 or 2017 in this book right mm-hmm. and you're not talking about the uh wrestling tag team partnership from like the late 80s or early 90s we're talking about the world trade center correct were those yeah. guys were there wrestlers called the twin towers i believe well either oh, that or i'm remembering history wrong well, i want to see this because uh then oh yeah wwf wrestlers the twin towers that was uh, the big boss man and akeem from 88 to 90, um, that's probably one of the worst <laughs> periods in wrestling ever. Just That was my good, childhood. Good job, that. <laughs> good job knowing that that's um, that, Dude, that's that was, was like in the time of Ultimate Warrior and stuff. Oh, see, all right, we, we're going we're gonna to have to go move on to our other podcast where we talk about wrestling and we'll further <laughs> discuss the Ultimate Warrior and, and the conspiracy surrounding the Ultimate Warrior. But we'll have to mm. do that a different time. Well, I'm going to tell you this um, anecdote from my past because I know you love it when I tell you stories that have nothing to do with anything. Um, I used to work in a in a place that I used to work. Um, I was a couple years older than most of the people, so I'm in my early 20s, and like you know, I'm working with you know people who are teenagers or just turning, you know, like that type of thing, just getting out of high school, high school age. And this one girl was uh, telling me one time about she was at a party, and. Um, for no reason at all, she put a towel around her neck like a cape and burst out of the bathroom door yelling, I am the ultimate horrier. And I couldn't, I, it was like the funniest thing to me at the time. I don't know why. <laughs> Apparently it I, stuck with you for stuck a with very, me for very long 17 time. years so yeah, far. So. so ultimate horrier. All right. Um, the Twin Towers is in the <laughs> World Trade Center um, as a, uh, most of you, I would even imagine those of you who are listening from another country, um, know that those were uh, those were destroyed in apparently a, a terrorist attack. Apparently, um, <laughs> there's some discussion. All right, so you want to talk about that? Too? Oh no, are you a truther? Is, is this is this? Do you want? Uh, are we are we still talking about the ultimate warrior, or are we talking about? <laughs> no, wait. Do you, all right, there's conspiracies. There's conspiracies. Oh, you watched that like uh... about this too. You watched those. You watched those documentaries, didn't you? I watch all those fucking documentaries, man. I can't stop some. I have to. I have to not start because if I start, like it's like eight hours of my life is is conspiracy theory. I don't even know if I call them documentaries because most of them are, are clearly put together by like one guy, you know, like at home. But yeah, yes, yes, I watch a lot of those. All right, all right. Allegedly a terrorist attack. Sixteen years ago. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm really derailing you, but there's just so much information that's packed into here. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, the World Trade Center just appears out of nowhere in the Dakota Badlands, um, and this this truck driver is the first person to see them, but soon after, anybody who's driving on the same highway that he's on sees them as well, and it becomes this, like, worldwide phenomenon within, like, you know, the matter of a couple days, because it is the actual two towers of the World Trade Center appearing out of nowhere in the middle of the Dakotas. I'm assuming South Dakota. I think that's where the Badlands are happening, but um and and so and this is where this is where I can tell it's a work of fiction because um it's approached by 
the government and by people in general with like lots of caution where people really don't, you know, they, they keep their distance and they're a little bit, you know, scared of it and everything. And the government isn't like, because you know what happened, the government, the moment buildings just appeared out of nowhere in the middle of the Dakota Badlands, there would be like fences and like tarps and things surrounding it and like access would be, you know what I'm saying? Like immediately Absolutely. there would be some, some sort of military that, presence that's keeping a perimeter around it. And that didn't happen. Yeah. That is the first clue that it's fiction too, that nobody um, fences off the buildings that appear out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah. Otherwise you're like, Oh, this may have happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so for a period of time, we're kind of introduced to, to random characters who are there or on their way there or leaving from there and some of the odd things that happen. Now, that's one side of the story. The other side of the story is music. And I don't even know how to explain this. So I'm going to try. Early on in the book, it appears that everybody who is near um, the, the, the recently appeared towers um, hears music. Coming from nowhere, really. The towers, maybe. I don't know, kind of out of thin air. But everybody hears different songs. But as readers, you're not really clued into what those songs are because the author doesn't tell you what the songs are. You have to kind of figure it out based on, like, lyrics and mini biographies of the of the, Musicians. the artist. Yeah. yeah. And that is a strong theme in this book. Um, anything that is introduced as a character or um, a moment in, in pop culture history or a moment in regular history is introduced um, with, I guess the best word I could use is like tangential information, like information that's related to the thing that if you think enough or you know enough about it, you'll know what the author is talking about. But the, he never comes out and says anything specific. Yeah, and arguably, in a book where the Twin Towers have reappeared 16 years after, after their demise, you would think that's the biggest part of the book. But clearly, <laughs> as you go through the course of this book, it is not. It is definitely the um, American soundtrack, I guess, is probably the best. So I think I may have said that somewhere in the book, so I might be, uh, I might be stealing that from the book itself. Yeah, but the American soundtrack is a much bigger character in this book than the reappearance of the Twin Towers. Yeah, so, um, from when we shift away from the things that are caused by the Twin Towers just randomly appearing in the in the Dakota Badlands, from that point on, the book follows different stories. So there's, um, and we'll dig into what those are, but there's, you know, probably a half a dozen different um, perspectives or, or characters that we follow throughout the book. And it's kind of random. It's not like we've been, and, and thankfully, I can't tell you how happy I am that this isn't one that's like every chapter is a different, um, different character's perspective. However, every page is a new chapter. Basically. It is. Sometimes very unnecessarily. In that yeah. sometimes there's not even a shit. Like, you literally didn't have to create a new chapter. No one noticed that there was a new chapter if you didn't catch. Like, on my Kindle when I was reading it, for some reason, I don't know, maybe because I'm old and I have to have the font bigger or whatever. <laughs> you could tell it wanted to be one page, but I always had at least two lines on the next page. Mm -hmm. 
So had those, you know, had it ended at one page, you know, I don't think I would have even noticed. Yeah. Um, going into the next ones. Yeah. So there are, I would say, uh, even so, like Livia said, one of the main um, storylines, probably the biggest storyline that that it threads through everything, is that American soundtrack. Which um, you can tell when you're reading that because, first of all, the titles of those chapters are the names of songs. But second of all, the text is aligned to the left instead of the right. I don't know if you noticed that, Livius. I think you mean it's aligned to the right instead of the left? That's exactly what I meant. Okay. <laughs> See, I noticed yeah. it the other it's way. It's aligned to the right, whereas most text is aligned to the left. Um, yep. So those are the two... Um, kind of crossover stories but really i i almost think that you could remove either one of the storylines well you could remove the twin tower storyline and still have <laughs> the same story basically i think well um, i think the twin towers is it illustrates one of the bigger concepts of the weirdness of the book and we can talk about that in greater detail but that's sure. just like the way that um like the different approach to how time works mm-hmm um, is is kind of what I think that's what the twin towers represent is just like it's a really obvious physical way of saying hey time don't work the way that you maybe thought it did no no so you are correct let's talk a little bit about the characters so in the event that they come up in further discussion people kind of know who they are um, I'm going to take care of uh, two of them Parker and Zima who that's are Z E M A, um, not Z I M A, like the popular that's, yes, that's um, right. malt maybe beverage from the nineties. Right. <laughs> You're right. So maybe it's Zema. I'm gonna go with Zema. <laughs> they are uh, adoptive brother and sister. In that um, Parker's family adopted Zema from I forget from where from an African country. It was Ghana. Ghana when she was uh, three, I think. So she grew up with them. Parker is a few years older than her, and they are on now on a road trip to visit their mom, who lives um, off of Lake Michigan, um, <laughs> without a real specific on <laughs> where that is. Right? Did you get that too? Like it just they're yeah. just going oh, to yeah. Lake Michigan to see their mom. Yeah. Okay. Specificity not a really big thing in this book. Yeah, because for for people who live just you know I think I'm like ten miles from Lake Michigan. At Michigan Lake Michigan big. Like that's I don't know how to say it. Like it could be a lot of places, not even just in the Chicagoland area. My understanding is it goes all the way to Michigan too. Yeah, you can go to Green so, Bay, be yeah, close to the yeah, lake. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, <laughs> so they're on a cross country road trip, but they are uh, derailed by news of the the twin towers, and um, they decide to to make their way um, to Lake Michigan via the Dakotas um, in order to see the twin towers. Now. I don't know how much, like, I know spoiler talk. I know we're going to have spoiler talk, and I know it's going to be a long spoiler talk. I don't know how much I want to say about these characters I'm not as concerned about, but um, Zima, there's also a supernatural music-related thing going on with her. Um, and th they spend a majority of their journey reflecting on their childhood and primarily on their father, um, who also was very was an author, a very famous author, but his real passion was music and, and kind of chronicling the American soundtrack. Yeah. So there's some really interesting stuff in there that I don't think we're going to talk about on the, the non-spoiler version of the podcast. But um, as, as I'm going to say it now, as bored as I was with all the music stuff. <laughs> well, but okay, so here's the problem. A, 
And laugh if you want, but agree or disagree with me. Were you able to identify 60% of what was going on? I mean, as far as, like, who the musicians were or anything? Um, honestly, no. Um, not a big music buff, so a lot of it was kind of beyond me. And that's what I'm saying. And kind of, I mean, I was like, oh, here's another section where he's going to talk about, you know, the history of this artist, which might have been more interesting for me if he said, now, it, it does say it in the in the uh, synopsis, you know, so if they said, oh, well, this is Bob Dylan, and here's some weird stuff that happened in his life that correlates with, with the writing of the song, and I said, oh, I know who Bob Dylan is, and maybe I'd know what song that was that he was talking about, because maybe it's a big one, but yeah. really a lot of that was was me... I don't want to say skimming because I was reading it, but it was making no sense. My brain wasn't taking it in as as anything relevant um, because of how little information w- was given. And, and the author did it on purpose, and that's fine. I just think that somebody who's, uh, I, I think a David James Keaton, who, who's a little bit more of a music buff, I think, than either one of us, may, may have had a better time with, with uh, some of this than we did. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I will say that the Bob Dylan song I identified um, easily because I'm a Bob Dylan guy. Uh, some other um, other characters that we have in there. Now, um, aside from um, Parker and Zima, right? Aside Correct. from aside from them, we don't really get character names, and this goes back to kind of the way that Livius was saying that um, you know the 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 songs aren't you know specifically named. The characters aren't specifically named either, but you're given contextual clues um, to figure out who these who these characters are. So um, I, I don't know if it's better to stick to the contextual clues or just say who they are. Like I don't know if it's <laughs> which one's going to make Livius more angry. But um, so for example, one of the big characters that we have uh, is he's introduced as um, a guy who shouldn't have ever been born. Because it should have been the other one, and um, it is alluded to in different ways that you know, um, the the brother that should have existed was like, you know, a king in music and stuff like that. So like, there are <laughs> clues that pretty much help you figure out pretty easily. And eventually, that that character is named. But in the beginning, you're kind of left to fend for yourself on on who it is. But uh, <laughs> that character actually turns out, and you get their name eventually, is Jesse. Presley, who is the in in our history and the history that we live in, the stillborn twin of Elvis Presley. Yeah, so Rob let the cat out of the bag a little bit there. I don't know if I would have gone <laughs> quite that far, but there it is. Um, yeah, so and and to clear a little bit of that up, he's really the second maybe character that we really get a good look at, as he is the. Man who appears just out of nowhere inside the Twin Towers. And Rob's right. There's a real muddy few chapters where you have no idea what, what this is, where this is heading as far as his story goes. But you do find out that he comes here and then somehow, I guess, rewrites history in that he goes back and is the brother that was born. Yeah. He's um and, and without going too far into that story, fascinating, by the way. Some of that stuff was amazing. Um he does run into people who are aware of that mm-hmm. and who blame him for the changes in his own in their own lives. Yeah, he's not a popular guy. <clears throat> so beyond that, there are other characters who play a pretty big part. Um 
including, and I won't tell the name of this person, a former senator who in the 60s was um, was running for the Democratic um, nomination for president, who had a brother named Bobby. <laughs> so, yeah, the characters like this, but, but the whole thing about the, the way this shakes out is that we're seeing for for some of these main characters a history uh or, or or i guess a current time that is different than what we know from history and it's all kind of a caused by by our our by different i got you know, this is a little difficult because the book is confusing as hell but by different um things but primarily it seems to all kind of come back to um you know the stillborn Jesse Presley guy who actually in this book exists and is causing tons of trouble. Yeah, the other characters are are all very minor. I would definitely say Parker Zima and Jesse are the only characters worth um, you know considering protagonists or, or really important characters in the book. Um, there's a, a th- very thin storyline with a sheriff who is the first person to go into the Twin Towers. Um, there's a lot of backstory. Um, again on, and I don't remember his name, but on Zima and Parker's father. So he's kind of a big character, although we only see him in flashbacks. And yeah. through, um, he shows up weirdly Zima, too, because like he's their father, but he is also separately a character in the book, like the most famous writer who is the least famous writer. Same guy. Yep. So, um, and, and then, yeah, a, a little bit of, of here and there characters who are mostly used as vehicles to talk about another song. It really is kind of the way I saw it. Everybody else was a little inconsequential. Yeah. Um, I will say that introduced at some point, um, you do figure out what the title Shadow Bond means. Um, although, it may or may not make sense. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. I, I'm I'm in full agreement on on that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say about that. I think that's all we can do non spoilery about the book. Yeah, um, I agree. However, um, I do have quotes this time, and I think the quotes are going to illustrate some of the strong parts of of this book. So, is it okay if I do some? Do you have any quotes? Um, I have some things highlighted, Uh-oh. and I guess I have to. Well, I have to go back through and look and see if they're quotes or just things I wanted to remember to talk about. So why don't you go ahead and get started while I uh, while I muddle through this a little bit? Um, so I'm going to read a couple. So what? So if I if you had to ask me what the strongest thing in this book was, it was the quality of of um, the writing. There were some moments that were so just goddamn well written um, that it almost kind of excuse the confusing parts in my mind at least i don't know if livius will agree with me on that um so like the more thoughtful introspective moments like here's a line toward the beginning of the book actually probably just a a few pages in um it's not true that things just it's not true that things don't just disappear into thin air if i'm honest and i've learned anything in this life it's that things disappear into thin air all the time um so it's like little thoughtful moments like that um the truck driver while he's driving along uh, at one point kind of falls asleep while he's driving for just a second, but it felt like forever. And um, this is the quote, if you want to wake yourself up good for the rest of a drive, try falling asleep at the wheel for a moment. Rob uh, talked a little bit about the, the <laughs> what did you say? The first, the first hint that this is fiction is that 
there's no fences <laughs> up around the towers. Yeah. <laughs> Here's something, and, and Rob's right. In, on its on their own, there are passages that are, are and ideas that are really well thought out or really interesting and, and this one is kind of interesting and this is about the appearance of the towers the phenomenon of the towers reappearance two decades after their downfall is so terrifying and so eludes explanation as to avoid lesser phenomenon of society and commerce even as the throngs continue to gather no souvenir stands have appeared no pennants have been sold or buttons a few entrepreneurs have tried to hawk sandwiches and soda only to meet rejection and indifference and that passage really, to me, spoke a lot of that the people are there, and and he talks a little bit about it in the book, but they, they don't even know why they're there. There's nobody really cheering it on. Nobody's really afraid. It's like everybody is just so fucked up over the fact that this happened that they're just kind of there, that there's not a lot of interaction amongst people, that it's just a bunch of, you know, kind of slack-jawed, you know, staring at the towers. I have a, a good quote to kind of complement that one. Um in in the exploration of what um, what the meaning of the towers appearing is, uh, this quote really nailed me because it made me stop and like stop my reading to think about what it meant. Others argue that the new towers are a pernicious kind of jihadist attack, an act of mass psychological terrorism aimed at deranging not just a nation but a defiled century and whatever defiled world inhabits it. And that made me stop and think like, holy shit! It never occurred to me, but like. If you want to fuck with people who suffered through the whole ordeal of the Twin Towers being destroyed, it's like, put it right back in their faces. And, and, and so that that thought was, was, it really made me pause and think about that. So I thought that was amazing. I have another one that, um, this book, and it even says so in the end of the synopsis, that uh, it's an elusive meditation on the meaning of American identity and of America itself. And there's a lot of thought about um like america in general and, and this is the character zima there was toward the beginning of the book um uh, this quote just i really touched me in the 13 years since zima came to america she has never had any idea that having no idea who she is and having no idea where she belongs makes her more american than anyone and i was like all right yeah that makes sense to me <laughs> quite honestly probably my favorite part although i have misgivings about the statement itself was um at one point parker and zima's father sits them down and has this conversation with them mustering moral authority he choked i need you to listen to me as to be mindful when forces of darkness attempt to lead you astray try to understand that someone who thinks queen and the grateful dead are good this caused him a particular pang since their mother was known to have a fondness for the former band <laughs> is not necessarily a bad person. Sometimes he allowed good people can believe bad things, but then there are purists, elitists, if you will, cultural clergy indignation rising who will tell you that mono is better than stereo. For instance, there are those in the autophallic oligarchy who will tell you that vinyl is better than MP3s. Well, we're not reactionaries in this family. God damn it. <laughs> that was probably my favorite part of the book is that although i do happen to love queen and queen might be the only band mentioned in this whole book that i loved but the grateful dead are garbage wow uh i'm gonna i'm gonna have to disagree with you the the albums american beauty and working man's dead are some of the best like modern folk music you will ever find just gonna say that right now 
that's okay. Differences of opinion are are, are frequent on our podcasts. So <laughs> here here's a here's something that I can just imagine every single person who is a writer uh, in this that listens to this podcast is going to identify with. Um, at one point, there's an author who's musing about whether they should even be writing at all, and, and um, uh, here, here's the quote: "People always joked, maybe." that he should give up writing books for mixing drinks, to which his father muttered, yeah, no one's ever said, I don't understand your martini. Also very good. That's, yep. And that's, that is honestly the strength of, of this book. The, the, the story in general is, is confusing, and um, I think as, as Livius illustrated, um, parts might be interesting for one person, but lost on another person, you know, and, and there's a mix of things that maybe it might be difficult to find someone who finds who you know appreciates the the greater picture of it but like god damn this guy can write the individual lines are so goddamn good i've probably got a dozen more so yeah that's want to finish i want to finish off um with one and this really struck me cuz I, I read it and then i went back and i read it again and i thought about it and then i read it again and then i highlighted it and i thought to myself this line um I think great writers probably spend and struggle a lot for a lot of time to come up with this particular line to start a book with. <laughs> and here it is. We find it at 86% of the way into the book at the end of a chapter. In the last days of summer, nine mornings before the fall, finally he stops a few miles from the sea near the beginning of a highway that's one six short of the devil sign. Yeah, that is goddamn craftsmanship right there. Tell me most authors wouldn't kill to start a book with that line. And here it yeah. is buried at the end of a chapter, 87% of the way into the book. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I agree. So I've got, I've got two more I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share. Um, one, to me, was, was uh, you know, let's see. It's, one to me was just like a six-word explanation of the entire idea of the Jesse Presley thing. And the other one is just fucking near poetry, but like if poetry was good and useful. Um, so the first one is is the whole idea of how time gets weird. Um, and this is someone, as Livia said before, um, there are certain characters in the book that realize that the Presley character has made things bad, like has kind of caused things to be different than they should be. Um, and this is one character talking about like how they feel about understanding that. And I know I'm talking very weirdly, but this is what that book will do to you. Um, the quote is the, the zeitgeist is missing a piece. And like, until you read that, that might not make sense, but that sums up so perfectly in six words, like everything that's going on with like this kind of weird reality is different than what we expect it to be kind of thing. So that was really good. You know what zeitgeist means? Um, God, I did. But now that you say that, no. Perfect world, right? So the spirit of the time. Okay. Yeah, so. Um, and then here's another one, and this is just fucking beautiful. This is toward, um, you know, two-thirds maybe of the way through the book. The human heart commits its greatest treachery by healing. It commits its greatest treachery by surviving the love that was supposed to last forever. Like, fucking come on, man. Like, when's the last time you read a, a, a fucking line that good in a book? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that 
I don't know how much more we're going to agree on about this book, but um, <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> the fact that he is a, a, a brilliant. So if he was a musician, since we're talking about music, he would be a brilliant lyricist. But I think a lot of people would miss that in the fact that the song itself, the melody, is all over the place. Oh, look at you getting all. Hi. Hey. Look at you. <laughs> that's that's kind of, I mean, we're going to talk more about this in spoiler talking in the wrap-ups. But Wait, wait, wait. For all the listeners out there, how much of that carpaccio have you had this week? I have had, oh, this week? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, for this episode. This, this oh, tonight. zero. Zero. I did have one bottle this week. And by one <laughs> bottle, I mean the little three 375 milliliter. All right. So not four in, in one sitting? No, all no. Right. That would happen last week. Not likely to happen again. <laughs> oh, it was it was so fun. It was so fun. I'm still Are drinking. Ready? Are you ready to move on to spoiler talk? Uh, yeah. So I think that's a good time. All of your Patreon listeners um, know that there will be spoiler talk. We're going to talk probably significantly about all the confusing things and the interesting things about this book. Uh, if you are not a, a contributor to Patreon, patreon.com slash booked. Any contribution you give uh, dedicates or um, entitles you to to having access to our spoiler talk for not only what's going on now, but all of the spoiler talk. We've probably got a couple of dozen, uh, you know, well, we're in the double digits at least, I will say that much, um, different spoiler talks for different episodes we've done. So patreon.com slash booked, go over there, give us a dollar and hear all the weird shit we got to say about Shadow Bond that we're not going to say on this episode. All right, we're back from uh, an insightful spoiler talk, I think. I, I learned a few things. Um, Rob just shook his head a lot of things I said, so uh, it worked <laughs> out better for one of us than the other, I guess. Um, ready to do some wrap-ups. Rob, why don't you uh, why don't you kick off wrap-ups? So I continue to find myself in this position in, in the podcast here where we read a book from someone who I know fucking full well that I should have read their other books before based on their reputation and how people talk about them and and stuff like that and just prior to the podcast they weren't on my radar so I didn't get to and so now I'm coming to this author who wrote this book um and this is like book number 10 or 11 or whatever it happens to be in a series of just historic and 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 huge um um titles so it's weird that I'm starting with this book and I always feel kind of awkward in that situation like the last episode we read Neil Gaiman and that was my second Gaiman book and that guy is like a pillar of the literary community. So there's in a lot of ways, this podcast exposes me to stuff that maybe I should have been reading all along. Um, so that's my apology up front to the people who are Erickson fans for a long, long time. I just never knew about Steve Erickson. It's not that I avoided it. It's just like the podcast itself was what introduced me to Steve Erickson. So that's why I'm here. And so I wanted to get that out of the way up front. Now let's talk about the book. Because of, I actually checked out the synopsis before I started reading this book, and there's not a lot there, as I said in the beginning of the episode. Not a lot to glean from what you're getting out of that synopsis, so I really didn't know what I was getting into, and I had no previous kind of knowledge of the Steve Erickson um, canon of work, so going in a little bit blind. The story is real weird, um, but it's weird in, in the way that I like, way more than in the way that Livius likes, and so I think that... I'm going to be a little bit of a Nostradamus. Rob Sterdamus here. Uh, I think that I'm going to give it a, <laughs> a higher rating than Livius. There's so many things that worked for me in this book. The fact that it did not 
readily give up information and it kind of made you work for it is something that I enjoy. Um, the play on how time works and how history might change depending on things that happen, I really enjoyed. Um, and just... If you look at this overall, it's a commentary on the culture of America and the things that are really important to us. And the things that, regardless of how much they actually matter, those are the things that are going to make things change for us. And I'm being vague because maybe you haven't read the book and I don't want to spoil it for you, but like, music plays a huge part in this book. And it turns out music could change the history of, of our country. Um, so it made me think about themes like that that I hadn't really thought about much before. So on, a, on an intellectual basis, this book just kind of like lit me up. Um, if you're looking at, I want a continuous and enter, entertaining and interesting narrative, that's where things get a little bit shaky because it's really weird and often confusing. Um, it doesn't really explain itself all the time. And it probably makes some logical leaps that most people would just not be able to follow. Or everybody might not be able to follow. I don't understand all this book. But that's okay, because there is such redeeming factors to it, like the things I mentioned already. And the fact that Steve Erickson can write the shit out of a, out of a sentence, or a thought, or a paragraph. He has got some serious writing chops. And um, it's illustrated in those quotes that we did earlier. So, while the book was confusing and challenging and really weird, I thought that it was really, really, really well thought out, and there's a lot of just like, uh, it's like a snapshot of an author's mind just out on the page, so I appreciated it, so overall, even though I had some troubles and I don't really probably understand everything that happened in this book, I'm going to give it four stars. Let's start with um, where I agree with Rob. Um, Erickson is very clearly line by line a very, very, very brilliant writer. Um, that being said, I think it was in spoiler talk where we, we, Rob had said that, you know, Erickson clearly didn't want to tell um, a linear narrative or whatever. And yeah, God, I God, I hope he didn't because if that was his attempt at that, they did a fucking terrible job. Um, he wrote the story in, in the way that he wrote it, um, being purposely vague about. Uh, not just things, but a lot of things. Um, clearly he has, and, and I didn't know this about him, but, but he writes about music for a magazine. So he, he has obviously a music background. And I'm sure that if you are a historic music buff, that this is probably a great, great resource um, for further insight or maybe um, how songs tie together to one another that, that was completely lost on me. And that's a good half of the book. From a idea standpoint, there are some really, really brilliant ideas in this. Um, the the Jesse Presley character and his storyline is fascinating, and his effect, um, his being born effect on history is fascinating. There are some things that you know, I think we mentioned, um, and and again, it, uh, my mind blurs between what was on spoiler talk and what wasn't. How there are people in the alternate history who um, understand the impact that he had. I thought that was fascinating, although we never found out why or how or what impact their knowing has on the story other than that they know that he's responsible for this. So there's some brilliant things there. I would have liked to have seen explored. Um, I was going to say better, but just explored, I guess, is, is really what it comes down to. So 
we have a brilliant writer who had some great ideas. Now, the way he delivered the story didn't work for me even a little bit. And it's a book, so that's going to take a pretty big hit on not being able to tell a story that I could wrap my mind around. I wanted so much more out of bits of this. So we've read books here where I couldn't have cared less about the story. I didn't want to know anything about the story. I just wanted to get through it and so we could do a review and I could move on because they just weren't speaking to me. This is that odd book where I really wanted a little bit like Raw Shark Text in that there are stories there that I wanted to know more of. But in Raw Shark Text, I felt like I got a complete story that I could be happy with and I didn't get it with Shadowbond. So for brilliant ideas and, uh, and, and, and a great lyricist, as I said earlier, um, are the only points I can give this book. And for that, it's going to fall at two and a half stars. That that's not as bad as I thought you may go with this. I, you know, but that's like, I mean, I felt very strongly about the things that I liked, but it's yeah. a book, you know, I mean, I needed something <laughs> else from it. Um, uh, so the, let me let me go back into my wrap up just for a second because there was another point I want to have. There is no doubt in my mind that if Steve Erickson wanted to write, just based on what I read here, that if he wanted to write, you know, when I say a linear or, or, or a story that made sense, that it could be fucking amazing. And I know it's his choice not to do that. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think yeah. he tried to do that. But if you, he did, holy shit, we would have an author who, you know, could you know, maybe write one of the best books we've ever read for from what I'm seeing. So so it's not as much that he, he, the writing is bad. It's that it's not the type of story that you want to read. Yes. I think that, I mean, that's totally cool. Like, everybody has to give credit to that. Like, there's fucking, <laughs> when you were talking earlier, I can't remember exactly what you were talking about. Um, I think it was about when you were talking about the music and stuff, and, and, and where we were talking about the music and it was something that you didn't understand. The way you described it made me think of how fucking Anne Rice will spend like three paragraphs describing a fucking like, you know, wardrobe or something. Yeah. In a yeah. way that does not matter to me at all. And that's like one of the reasons I don't like that author is because yeah. of the frivolous, you know, writing yeah. about something that I don't care about. So I get it. I get it totally. However, goddamn, this Erickson can Erickson can write, fucking hell. Yeah, I'm not. I can't, and that's why I said I, I. The only points I can give, you know what I mean, is that I, I couldn't even. I wanted to dislike this book more, if that makes sense, because of how just the story was all over the place and didn't make sense to me. But there's some good stuff there. So. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move along. I don't. We don't have anything else. We have something else. I mean, you and I have something else that we still need to talk about. But I, I'm starting to develop a level of excitement. So can we tease a little bit something, maybe? <laughs> um, if it's the thing that you want to tease, you okay? Sure, why not? Rob and I'm, I. I'm feeling generous because you you uh, had trouble with this book. Rob and I um, started a discussion that we're going to continue as soon as we're done with this podcast about a uh, second and and I, I want to say very different um, podcast than what we normally do. So I'm really looking forward um, to, to hashing this out and to being able to bring you guys, some of you guys, some of you guys might not be interested. I don't know how many of you are into professional wrestling. Or whatever this other topic is, <laughs> we're actually good. Because I think Rob just—it's <laughs> like Rob just started spinning. Um, well, Livius, so Livius pitched this to me, and that's why it came up in the episode. Was 
Um, let's do a podcast where all we talk about is the wrestling duo, the Twin Towers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I couldn't even get through the entire sentence without laughing. <laughs> I know. So, um, no, we have an idea for a second podcast that I, 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 I get the feeling that, that we're both um, fairly excited about this. And that I think you're going to see that very, very soon and soon being like weeks, not like a Michael Wilson soon, because I mean, like in a short period of time. Yeah, because the voting for that fucking award ended like, what, six weeks ago now? (laughs) Something like that. Oh, speaking of which, though, well, I don't know. By the time people are hearing this, I don't know if this will be taken care of or not. But perhaps unrelated to anything we just said about Michael Wilson, um, we're having some very significant troubles um, with our website right now, which ironically will be fixed by the time you hear this. Otherwise, we won't be able to post this episode. But um, at the time of recording, our website is down. And um, Lovius and I, just to give you a little note, I mean, I know I work for an unnamed electronics corporation, and Livius works for a company that you know deals in electronic products. But we don't know anything about making websites, so I have to figure out what's going wrong and then i have to figure out how to fix it so you remember the good old days when we had someone who just took care of this stuff for us yeah what happened to that he went and had a kid yeah no kidding and then he went and had another kid and now i'm just like twisting i'm twisting in the wind twisting so if this so. episode is up um late uh two reasons rob didn't start the book until three days after <laughs> we were supposed to review it <laughs> that's 100 percent true (laughs) and second um yeah no website no listening and and there are listen i know that most of you are listening on stitcher or itunes there are some people out there who do listen right through the website uh yeah we don't understand why yeah but they do yeah so um apologies for that the hopefully i'm looking into the future into an alternate future where the podcast website works (laughs) yeah Hopefully it won't take too long for me to figure that out. Hopefully within 24 hours we'll be back up and running. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's pissing me off. If anybody knows how to run a goddamn website and wants to just be nice to us, man, just give give a brother a hand. We still have like weird Viagra ads in our feed, and I don't even I don't even know why. I'm about Do to throw we my still, hands up. Are those still there? I, I don't know. They were gone for a while. They came back. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> it's just pissing me off, man. I'm tired yeah. of this crap. As long as the Viagra checks keep rolling in, that's all I, I know, care about. right? Like that's the thing. Like we're probably making more money off of like bootleg Viagra through Canada than we are actually through Patreon. You know, this brings up an and interesting... I have more boners. <laughs> it works. <laughs> this brings up an interesting and and somewhat unrelated topic. So yeah. on Facebook, I don't follow very many celebrities. I follow a few TV shows and stuff just because I want to see when there's new episodes or whatever. But I follow, and this will probably not surprise you. Um, I, I follow Alice Cooper, the the rock musician. Um, which yeah, incidentally, yeah, he was in Wayne's World. Yeah, which incidentally reminds me that a half star that I didn't give Erickson was that Hall and Oates weren't mentioned not once in that book. As yeah, as I can't, the I can't go for that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and Ric Flair, which is a little more timely because we were just talking about pro wrestling. Now. This is how this works. You get like a, a little video of Ric Flair from an interview from 1984 or whatever, and it's amazing to watch, right? Because I grew up and I wanted to be Ric Flair when I grew up. Where Alice Cooper will be a concert picture or um, a link to get tickets to a show. But then both of them, and I have to imagine it's not them, share 
And when I say exactly the same, I mean exactly the same type of garbage. And it's always those clickbait articles that are on like a 10-page thing. So I have to imagine that's a thing, right? That's a revenue stream for them? Uh, Without a doubt. So they actually share some of their stuff, and, and I don't know if they do it. I'm sure someone you know does it for them. But then, yeah, it just seemed like a real, I don't know. I lost a little bit of respect for two icons, I guess, from this kind of fake, like, I'm sharing this clickbait article. Y- you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I was thinking about that when you said the Viagra, like, that, that's a second source of income for us, which, believe me, it's not. But, yeah, I'm a little disappointed <laughs> in, in Ric Flair and Alice Cooper, and, and I'm sure there's other celebrities out there doing it. I haven't unfollowed them because I still think the content they share has value, but it's probably three to one clickbait articles to, you know, a, a, fo- a cool concert photo or, you know, a throwback photo of Alice Cooper hanging out with like Colonel Sanders or something that, you know, would be fun to. <laughs> oh, man. Metal and chicken at the same time. No, yeah, that's a thing where it's like a celebrity gets paid ridiculous amounts of money to, to like Instagram or tweet about a product. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine, except that it's not, they're just clickbait articles. You know what I mean? If it was a product, I'd be like, oh, okay, you know, I get it. That's advertising. I don't know. Right. But it's like, hey, these are 19 people who, you know, died terribly and you won't believe number seven. That's, yep. That's exactly, yeah. That that may have been ripped directly from one of their uh, social media feeds. (laughs) That's one that I got paid for. Nice, yeah. Well, and oddly enough, I follow Ric Flair on Twitter, too, and on Twitter it doesn't happen. It only happens on Facebook. Hmm. That's interesting because I, I, yeah, all right. I think that most people, most people who make money off of their social media, it's those, like, Twitter and Instagram. And you get the idea. Like, if, like, I mean, if we could pay Ric Flair to tweet about Booked, it's going out to those millions of of followers or whatever. Mm So, makes sense. All right, and one final thing um, we could talk about a little bit is we don't have a ton of specifics yet, but um, StokerCon is less than two months away at this point. As a matter of fact, two months from now, we'll be back here posting content from StokerCon. Well, let's talk about back here for a moment because my life has taken a bit of an interesting turn where back here for me for for part of the summer, actually for all of the summer, is going to be not in Illinois. So Rob um, had, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this as vague as I probably can. Rob had a very interesting opportunity to take a, a temporary position um, in California um, for uh, for the company he works for. And it sounds really cool. Not so is what he'll be doing, but the fact that he'll get to work at the corporate headquarters and, you know, they put him up and stuff. So uh, it should not impact the podcast at all. It will not. Uh, as we started out this podcast, um, you know, hundreds, if not thousand miles apart. Um, and, uh, we're going to go back to doing that for a good portion of the summer, but, uh, yeah, very excited for Rob and this opportunity. Yeah. But why, why Livia's brought this up was because we will be attending Stoker con in LA at the end of April. And, um, this is going to be different than AWP in the past where we're like, Hey, we're going to AWP. And then we spend a week hanging out with our friends and we don't record any content that has to do with authors or books or anything. And then we come back and we're like, Oh yeah, we had a lot of fun eating and drinking for a week, but it has nothing to do with the conference that we went to. This is going to be starkly different than that. Starkly different because we actually intend to, um, actually participate in this conference. 
Right. So currently we are looking at participating on one panel, which will be about podcasting, something um, that we can fake our way through, right? Because at, at the very least, we were yeah. just talking about like the website isn't up and we have Viagra ads <laughs> everywhere. So I don't, I don't know that. I don't know we're experts. Uh, yeah. Form, but it's something we've got uh, a number of years um, in on now, so we'll be doing that. And then additionally, there should be a series of interviews happening um, as well. Um, we're being vague on that because we have a setup for interviewing and, and we have a list of people we can approach and we're going to assume that some of those people will say yes. Um, but it's definitely going to be uh, it is it is StokerCon approved. This isn't Rob and I like in a bar trying to get a few words in. Um, we have a uh, support of StokerCon, which is awesome. Thank you very much. I don't want to name names, but thank you very much to those of you who have uh, been very supportive of us. Yeah, uh, we're looking forward to doing this. And if it goes well, then, you know, StokerCon 2018, here we come. Damn right. So, um yeah, this time we're actually going to like be good to our audience and bring you content directly from a conference that maybe, maybe you didn't get the opportunity to attend on your own. I have been in talks with some specific authors to see if they're going to be there, and actually um, random messages back and forth have encouraged them to say stuff like, F it, I'm going to StokerCon, so um, Livius, you know who I'm talking about. I do, and I'm very excited to bring some uh, content from that author as well. Yeah. So more details as they come, as they become more solidified. Uh, and, and it's here's the thing. Like, we are – I like to think that we're good at interviewing people. Um, and so I think that's where we're going to focus a lot of our energy. And the interviews that we're going to bring you are, you know, from independent authors, which is something that's been, you know, in our wheelhouse since we started this uh, podcast, to authors maybe we're not qualified to interview. <laughs> <laughs> more to come later on all of that um but yeah very excited to to um to have the support of of the staff at StokerCon to to bring um to bring what little we have to to hopefully um add to the StokerCon experience um for listeners for um for members of the horror writers association and and for just attendees of the con that's right so um look forward to more information on that and actual content a couple months from now when that happens. Uh, in the meantime, Livius, what are we reading? What are we reading next? Do we know that? We are. We are going against everything Livius believes in. Mm. Two episodes in a row, as it turns out. Yeah. Um, we are going to do the fourth Miriam Black book, which came out um, just a few days ago. Probably about a week ago, if you uh, if you're when you're listening to this. Thunderbird by Chuck Wendig. So we reviewed the first three uh, Miriam Black books very favorably, if memory serves correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, big fan of Miriam Black. And uh, I, I started this. I started it yesterday. I'm only a little bit in. But, uh, you know, so far, so good. And um, flying in the face of what we said just recently when, um, uh, I can't remember, the Frank something? I can't remember the guy's name, but it was uh, one of our loyal listeners who knows way more about us than obviously I know about him. Um, in the drunk episode where Livius was way drunk. Um, asked us if we were going to read the fourth book in the Familiar series. And I straight up said, we both straight up said, nah, we don't read that far into a series. And now, hey, we're reading the fourth book in a series. And I guess the only thing I can say about that is, is like, um, there's more of a, I, I don't know. I, I, I push this one. It's my fault. Um, I'm so excited about the fourth Miriam Black book that I, I made Livius do it. So that's that's I'm taking responsibility on this. 
Listen, for Chuck Wendig and, and Rob Hart, I'm drawing the line at four, man. I'm telling you. At no point Dude, no, in this podcast are we going to read the fifth. There's book six Miriam Black books. There's six of yeah, them, so we have I to go to six. Oh, God damn it. I didn't know there were six, quite honestly. that I missed that somehow. Yeah, yeah there's um, there's two more after this one. So, Although I'm personally excited for the podcast, this is a collective groan from half of this podcast on <laughs> reviewing the sixth book in a series. <laughs> All right, so that's why, and I apologize if we are we're seeming inconsistent. It's one of those things where it's like, I grew up I'm I I grew up as one of two siblings, and and as a kid, you know, you discover that you know siblings don't always get treated the same. Like, you know, one sibling might be good in school and get great grades, and the other one not so great, and then suddenly they're celebrating a C from one kid, and they're like saying, "Hey, you got a B. Why wasn't it an A from the other kid?" That's just the way fucking life works. So like, that's that's what this is. Like, I'm I'm favoring one child. I guess is what's going on right now. Yeah, but that child is you. I don't understand how this works. Uh, no, no, the child is Chuck Wendig. Oh, all right. I <laughs> in this you. case, I'm favoring that book over the Mark Danieleski book. I was listening. So. And I was like, yeah, yeah. If I got to see, that would be terrible. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're not talking about that. Okay. No, no, no. You, I, I think you understood the analogy, but you didn't quite get who was playing what character. That's okay. All right. Listen, that wraps up this very sober episode of uh, the book podcast. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Um, spoiler talk is available for this episode for all Patreon contributors at any level. So if you really want to hear, if you really want to hear the dirty on on, on the things that, <laughs> that, 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 that bother me about the Erickson book. Uh, throw a dollar over at patreon.com and go look in the spoilers section of Patreon um, for that. Uh, until next time, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. I fucking love all of you guys. Keep reading.